Thinking aloud. Conversations on the leading edge of knowledge and discovery with psychologist Jeffrey Mishlove. Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. Our topic today is lucid dreaming. And my guest, Stefan Zugor, is a young man who is totally immersed in the field of lucid dreaming. He hosts a website called howtolucid.com. He puts out daily YouTube uh, monologues about lucid dreaming. He offers courses and guides and uh, pamphlets and books about lucid dreaming. So, Without any further ado, we'll switch over to the internet interview with Stefan. Welcome, Steph. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you very much for having me on. So you've uh, been working with lucid dreams, uh, as I recall, uh, since you were very young. I, I mean, I consider considering that I'm in my seventies. You're you're already very young, but even I presume since you were a child. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, since I was as young as I can remember. I mean, I can't recall the exact you know time I had my first lucid dream, but I remember how it happened. You know, I was uh, young enough to be like kind of grounded. I was misbehaving. I was grounded and like confined to my room. Uh, so I remember very clearly I was uh, not able to use any screens. I was like banned from video games, consoles, and stuff. And I just had to basically stay in my room. And uh, yeah, that's why that's how I ended up having my first lucid dream by accident. Uh, and subsequently, it's become, uh, as you've explained to me, you know, something of a regular occurrence for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I became uh, kind of obsessed with it, actually. Uh, I was always obsessed with, you know, figuring out how things worked and taking things apart, putting them back together. Uh, so it was kind of the same for lucid dreaming. You know, as soon as I had the experience, I just wanted to learn more and more about it. So I eventually ended up researching and learning about it and writing and being very nerdy with, you know, tweaking things and working out like what I could do that would make it happen more often and all of this kind of stuff. So now you have uh, a website uh, devoted just to lucid dreaming. You have courses, you have books. It's, it's really seems as if lucid dreaming has become the primary focus of your life. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, among a couple of other things, I mean, I'd say that it's, yeah, definitely the main focus. And then I'm also interested in things like uh, like like travel and personal development in general, but yeah, lucid dreaming is certainly the focus. As a parapsychologist myself, as as I explained to you earlier, I'm very interested in the paranormal aspects of lucid dreaming, uh, and in dreaming in in general. My whole life was shaped by dreams, actually. But one of the interesting findings uh, in parapsychology is that people who report a lot of spontaneous psychic experiences tend to be people who have also experienced trauma, particularly early childhood trauma. And I wonder if you've experienced that uh, in the population of people you work with. Well, I think it's definitely used as escapism, and especially for people who maybe they're not happy with their current reality for whatever reason, they will definitely turn to things like mainly video games these days, but also things like lucid dreaming, uh, any kind of way they can escape, you know, typically drugs, alcohol, things like that, sadly. But, um, but I've always thought of it as a good tool for escapism, but not just escaping the reality, more sort of understanding it better. 
so in, in that respect, I would say it's the best form of escapism because not only do you escape and distract yourself, but you can also sort of come full circle and analyze like why you wanted to escape that in the first place and, and really start dealing with the, as you say, the trauma or whatever it was that made you want to escape <laughs> in the first place. We live in a culture in which many people uh, are alienated and, and do want to escape. I hear from people all the time who are just very unhappy with the ways of the world in, in one way or another. And lucid dreaming would seem to be, yeah, uh, well, a, a safe and uh, exciting form of, of escapism. Would, would you agree? that every element in the lucid dream is an element of your own psyche? Yes. Yes, I would. I mean, some of them are, you know, uh, I don't want to say meaningless, but some of them are kind of, they have less meaning and importance than others. Like, for example, if you're walking into a, like a classroom, the actual structure of the classroom, like the walls and the desks and everything, that, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean as much as, let's say, your subconscious representation of a person like a dream character and how they behave like that they, they're still parts of your psyche for sure uh, whether it's like a memory or just your blueprint of how a classroom should look like uh, but the dream characters is where like the really important kind of deep stuff comes out so in effect i guess your primary focus then in in teaching people lucid dreaming and in engaging in regular forms of lucid dreaming is is a way of exploring the depths of your own mind. Yes. Yeah, I mean, the, to be honest, there's loads of different reasons why people would want to learn it. I mean, I, as I said, I, I teach primarily a younger audience, uh, and they come from like video gaming backgrounds, escapism, and just wanting to experience a different reality and something different because it's kind of like this new world where you wake up and suddenly you can do anything you know you don't have to worry about your being picked on in school or you know studying for a test or you know the stresses of life you can just sort of put that aside and fly around a skyscraper or explore an alien planet or something like that so there's like there's the, kind of the, what i call the fun aspects of it and then there's the more serious and more practical aspects and and then you can go deeper into like the spirituality of it as well uh, so when you look at things like um, overcoming trauma removing fears from your mind, you know, improving your confidence, things like that. Real practical stuff that you can do with it. Um, but I feel like most people, when they first get into it, it's just to have fun, just to experience something new. And then it kind of progresses down, down that way. Kind of you fall down the rabbit hole, as it were. In my own case, I've had many lucid dreams, but I've never felt that I could control them or even would want to uh, control them. I just sort of enjoy them when they come. Um, but you actually train people to induce lucid dreams and uh, pretty much induce them on uh, a repeated basis. Yeah. And uh, so I just want to say really quickly, you don't have to always control them. And in fact, what I like to do, especially recently, is I will become lucid and deliberately not control stuff. Uh, because when you start controlling things and manipulating it too much, then you're, it becomes more difficult to analyze the dream, for one, because you're directly influencing it. Uh, but also it's kind of more random and spontaneous when you just let the dream do its own thing. And just being aware of that and being lucid in that, it's kind of, it's kind of exciting enough. So yeah, I like to have a mixture between uh, controlling the dream, as it were, uh, or trying to control it at least, and uh, just experiencing it from a lucid point of view. Now, I would think, um, based on my limited experience as well, that uh, there are levels to lucid dreaming that, uh, in terms of the degree of lucidity, Yes, there are. Yeah. 
and it really just ranges to be honest it's kind of like um an almost infinite spectrum i would say uh, as opposed to like very clear levels because it's very hard it's very subjective isn't it so it's very hard to say you know i was a 60 percent lucid dream or a 70 percent lucid state or because unless you can record it and look back at it later you're relying on your memory so who's to say how lucid you were i mean but you can that being said you can still sort of say oh i was aware that i was dreaming but i couldn't decide where to walk let's say or i couldn't decide that i wanted to fly around uh, so you can kind of you can kind of describe how lucid you were in vague terms but you can't specifically say oh that was a six out of ten or a seven out of ten or because it's very sub- subjective you know and I would also imagine that moments of lucidity are going to be longer or shorter. So I've had experiences where I might be lucid for only a few seconds, or sometimes it, it seems like a much longer period of time. Yeah, and that's <laughs> that's one of the most annoying things. Is even when you learn how to do it, you'll find that it's this constant battle uh, to stay lucid. Because what happens in the dream is when, if you just let the dream run its course. It's so engaging and exciting that it will turn, you'll, you'll kind of be distracted and pulled away from your lucidity unless you really focus on staying lucid. So let's say if you're lucid, as you say, for a few seconds, and the next thing you know, there's like, let's, let's say a tiger just jumps across the street. Suddenly you're in survival mode and you're reacting to that and you forget that you're in a lucid dream and suddenly it feels real. And then before you know it, you've woken up and you've lost lucidity. Uh, but yeah, it, I think meditation really does help with that. And that's why that's one of the main things I encourage people to do is to meditate every day, because just building that, I guess it's a, it is a skill, the skill or ability to hold your focus for a specific length of time. And in just even if it's just to think about nothing or just think about one thing, that's something which especially the younger generation really struggle with now because their attention's all over the place. You know, they want to look at social media, they want to watch all these films, binge watch series and check the notifications uh, but if you do focus on that and build that skill up, it makes it so much easier to not just have a lucid dream for a few seconds, but to actually prolong that into a few minutes and, you know, eventually the whole dream can be lucid if you if you can focus in that way. One of the uh, many books that you have uh, out on Kindle is about dream yoga. And uh, you make a point of distinguishing between dream yoga and lucid dreaming. Could you amplify on that? Yeah, of course. So dream yoga is really when you take things sort of one level above normal lucid dreaming. So you know how I said that mainly lucid dream, when people first start to learn about lucid dreaming, typically it's from, um, how can I describe it? It's, I don't want to say like an ego point of view, but it's kind of like you're trying to use the senses, you're trying to do or experience something, I guess, fun, if you, if you want to put it like that. Maybe that's flying, maybe it's like sex with celebrities or wh- whatever they're, they're trying to fulfill, whatever fantasies they're trying to fulfill. When you look at dream yoga, it's more about um, working with kind of the shadow and your subconscious beliefs, the parts of you that make up who you are, your psyche, um, and really these sort of blueprints which determine how you act, how you think and how you feel and, and how you manifest reality, basically. And so when you start looking at dream yoga, you're kind of going into directly interacting with your subconscious mind, but also sort of the, the way I like to describe it is it's, it's like the best kind of or the most deep kind of meditation you could do because you're really relaxed. There's no distractions and you're kind of dissolving awareness into just this one point of focus. Um, so, yeah, it's really exciting. But as I said, uh, the majority of the things I, I deal with now is teaching the other side of it, the, um, the more broad aspects 
and the more practical side of things as opposed to uh, the dream yoga which is i guess you could say the more spiritual or the more uh, profound aspect of it dream yoga to my knowledge comes out of the uh, tibetan buddhist tradition. Uh, I, I think it's a very serious practice. I many years ago interviewed a, a Tibetan Lama and he said uh, he practiced dream yoga, but part of that practice was to spend, I think it was like maybe three years in almost total isolation. Uh, you are uh, a remarkable person. You're a young man uh, in your 20s and uh, you seem knowledgeable about yoga and meditation and and even depth psychology uh i have to assume it just sort of came naturally to you yeah well i mean i, I did actually study psychology very briefly in um in college but that's not really where i learned or, uh, that's a very small part of where i've learned things i've basically self-taught myself on all of these different subjects because it's so interesting to me so you know i've taken courses i've consumed so much content and information about all of this um, but dream yoga is probably, I would say, the area I'm the least proficient in. I would say that's the kind of the weak point in my in what I teach and, and how I um, share information online. But it's one of the things that I really am interested in learning more about. Uh, but yeah, in terms of who I teach and like my students, and the focus is always on practical things, what you can do now to improve your life in kind of personal development terms, and how to experience lucid dreams and sleep better, and you know that kind of uh, practical side of things. But yeah, I mean, as you say, it's it's a serious practice. The dream yoga side of things, the yoga nidra, um, is yeah, it <laughs> requires a, a lot of dedication and and like you say, sometimes isolation as well. Well, you have explored many of, of the more contemporary methods for inducing lucid dreams. There are devices that are out on the market. There are nutritional supplements uh, available. And uh, I gather from uh, your writing that you find some of these things really work quite well. The best thing I found really in terms of, in terms of supplements, you mean, or just in terms of... Uh well, and also, um, like their machines, uh, lights and sounds and things of that sort to generate. What I found is that um, in terms of the tech, there's very little tech that actually can induce a lucid dream directly. However, what I have really had really quite good results with is kind of these meditation machines where it will be like uh, a binaural beats will be playing through the headphones, in, you know, stereo headphones. At the same time, you'll have these GANs frames or these goggles that you put on. And they kind of flash these uh, these colored. I, I don't know if you if you're familiar with these. Um, they kind of flash these for anyone for anyone that's not. <laughs> uh, they kind of flash these colored light LED lights in your eyes, and it's kind of synchronized perfectly with the binaural beats. And the idea is it's meant to create this uh, this frequency following response where your brain waves kind of shift from what you are now. Let's say if you're in beta brainwave state right now, uh, by listening to the binaural beats through these headphones and with the goggles on, you can shift yourself to let's say alpha, theta, delta, etc. Um, and it's, it really does help with meditation. And this is something I've noticed is that, um, especially if I've got a lot on my mind, you know, I might struggle with meditation sometimes. We all do. Um, but then if I would put the binaural beats on with the mind machine, the meditation machine, it kind of, it kind of fast forwards the, the length of time that I need to meditate. So instead of meditating for, let's say, half an hour, I might be able to get the same results in 10 minutes or less because it really does kind of remove all distractions because, as I said, you you can't see anything except these LED lights. And uh, it, yeah, it, it kind of makes it easier. So what you're saying is that uh, they enhance your meditation experience, but they don't necessarily induce lucid dreams. 
They can do, but it's something I tend to avoid uh, with meditation machines in particular. Yeah, it's something I tend to avoid because I, th- I feel like it's more valuable to build up, you know, the foundations and the actual habits as opposed to relying on a thing, a crutch, whether it's a supplement or a device or a, even a particular technique. Uh, I try and avoid those things and teach the basics, which is basically just intention and self-awareness throughout the day, lucid living. Uh, and that's why that's what I teach these days. It involves daytime and nighttime practice. But yeah, I mean, you can. I, I guess the best way of doing that would be to uh, target your la- the last period of your of your sleep. So in, in the last sleep cycle, you have the longest amount of REM sleep. And so what I would, if I had to do it, what I would do is to put the mind machine on during that stage. So with a typical wake back to bed technique, uh, if you're trying to lucid dream with that, you would, you know, target your last REM sleep uh, stage, which is when it's the longest. And at that time, so you wake up, let's say two hours before you normally would. And then you put on the mind machine, put on the goggles, put on the headphones, listen to binaural beats in theta or whatever. And you can experiment with different brainwave frequency states as well. Uh, and then that would guide you into, and in theory, keep you in that state for longer. Uh, the reason I kind of avo- avoid that entirely is because <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of a picky sleeper. And so I can't fall back asleep with that device on my head. I mean, some people can, but even, even sleep headphones, um, I struggle to fall back asleep because once I'm up, I'm kind of, that's it for the day. I'm up and ready to go. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's why I've kind of avoided, um, specifically promoting it as a lucid dreaming aid because it's in my opinion it can be used but it's it's not what people should focus on but one of the things you did mention here is uh the time of a morning is best or early in the morning you're more likely to have a, a lucid dream yeah in theory and i want to i want to sort of supplement this with a bit of context here because in in theory if you wait until kind of the last sleep cycle of the night your REM sleep will be longest meaning in theory, you're more likely to be able to target and reach that and have a lucid dream in that stage. But that's in an ideal situation. So when we're younger, our sleep cycles are typically more predictable. We'll have 90 minutes, five sleep stages. And as you go through the night, the REM sleep will get longer towards when you wake up. As your serotonin levels rise and your melatonin levels drop, you kind of have this sweet spot in theory. But what happens is, and for anyone I would say above the age of 20, 25, your sleep cycles are much less predictable you know, you might go to bed at different times, depending on the day of the week, you might have various stimulants, coffee, alcohol, whatever that suppress your REM sleep, and then you have REM rebound, and it gets very complicated. So it, in an ideal world, yeah, you would target the last sleep cycle. And that can work for most people. But I focus more on the long term techniques, which target every REM sleep cycle, and they target them spontaneously as well. Um, but yeah, if you're younger, Absolutely. That is the, that's what you should target is the last sleep cycle. You know, you're reminding me of a, a, an interesting episode I had was a long time ago. I was at a conference on discussing survival after death. And the uh, topic of the conference became lucid dreaming. People were asking, could we explore the afterlife realms through lucid dreaming? And this was early in the morning. And I uh, got really sleepy. So I went back up to my hotel room and I thought I'll take a quick nap and go down to the conference. And I had a lucid dream at that point. Later on, I learned that, uh, there was some, uh, evidence in the literature that if you, uh, go back to sleep after waking up early in the morning, if you can, uh, that that's a good time for lucid dreaming. 
Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely. And so that's what I mean when I say uh, the wake back to bed. I should have said for anyone listening who uh, maybe hasn't heard of that, um, when you the wake back to bed technique involves setting your alarm to go off after, let's say, six hours, five hours of sleep. And then you go back to sleep at that time with the intention of lucid dreaming. And the idea is that you're trying to catch yourself before your last REM sleep cycle, your last REM sleep stage in your last sleep cycle. Uh, because, as you say, and as I've said, yeah, it's more likely, it's longer than, so in theory, that's, that should be when you're most likely to lucid dream, if you do that. And you've also explored uh, various nutritional supplements. I really don't want to focus on supplements uh, for beginners, especially because they won't give you results. Like, unless you have built up the habits and you can already lucid dream, supplements are unlikely to give you uh, reliable or, or instant results. Because they kind of just boost what you should already be doing. Um, that being said, if you can lucid dream a little bit, you know, let's say if you can have one a week or even one every two weeks, uh, you can do, take certain things which make it kind of more likely. So you can take things like hoopazine A, uh, you can experiment with like galantamine, choline. Um, but I, as I said, I really try and avoid promoting supplements too much, although they can be used as what I call a lucid aid. So they won't directly induce a lucid dream. Um, but they will give you that kind of support, so they'll make it more likely. And you can you can go two ways with it. You can look at the ones that uh, boost your choline levels, which is respons- responsible for you know self awareness and memory. Um, and so really, there's there's kind of a few different ways you can take it. So you can either directly take choline, or you can take things that stop your body eliminating choline. And I think the the official term is like acetylcholinesterase inhibitors. So basically, what that does is if you if you imagine choline is what helps you become self-aware in a lucid dream i'm very i'm really simplifying it but just for people who don't uh, so choline could be the fuel what helps your body and brain be aware in a lucid dream then you have acetylcholine uh, esterase acetylcholine esterase kind of breaks down the choline over time so it will like eliminate it from your body so it's an acetylcholine esterase inhibitor stops the acetylcholine esterase breaking down the choline so that you essentially the, the end result is you have more choline in your system so you're in theory more likely to become lucid um, but the that all still relies on you having done a reality check or being aware in your dreams in some way so yeah in a nutshell yeah you can take things like hoopazine a uh, galantamine choline um, there are some other things like you can take herbs and and uh, teas and things like that Another aspect of lucid dreaming that you've written about is contact with other entities. They could be figments of your own mind, but they might be like the equivalent of spiritual guides and helpers. Yeah. And this is, a, this is part of it that really fascinates me. But at the same time, it is subjective, isn't it? So although I might have a really profound dream I'm lucid and I have this, you know, message from this, what I consider a higher being and they come in and tell me this profound insights and guidance on what I should do. It's still going to be subjective. So there's no way of me proving to you or anyone else that that's what happened. Anyone else could say, oh, well, it was just a dream. You know, you just had that dream. It was all in your head. Um, So, but from my belief, at least, I personally believe that it is higher beings and some kind of guidance from whether it's the higher self or other guides coming in and giving you messages and guidance. I, I truly believe that, but there are lots of people who would disagree and say, ah, it's just in your head, it's just a dream, uh, you can't prove it. Uh, but at the same time, they can't disprove it. So 
it's a, it's a debatable topic, but... Well, the field of parapsychology and, and psychical research is, in which I'm engaged is one where we look to see, you know, what possible uh, empirical evidence might exist to support this sort of thing. Uh, for example, if you're getting information that uh, turns out to be verifiable and correct and that you wouldn't have otherwise known, that then that begins to uh, count as uh, at least a, a suggestion that this isn't just a figment of your imagination. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, for example, uh, I once, uh, this happened to me under hypnosis. I was told to contact a inner healing advisor no suggestion that it would be external. And, and uh, in my hypnotic state, a being came to me wearing a toga. And uh, so I thought uh, to myself, oh, oh, good, because I want to practice my you know, speaking skills. So I said, well, you can be Demosthenes, the great orator from ancient Greece. And, and this image in my hypnotic state said, no, I'm not Demosthenes, I'm Seneca. And I said, well, okay. And I said non-verbally, of course, uh, if you're Seneca, what would you like me to do? And Seneca said, study my life. And um, I subsequently did that. And, and what I learned was Seneca actually uh, was a most fascinating character from ancient Roman history. But at the moment of his death, he was ordered to commit suicide by a Roman centurion, and he was at a banquet with his friends. He said, can I uh, at least make out my last will and testament? And the centurion said no. So Seneca turned to his friends. His last words were, study my life. I bequeath to you my life. So that struck me as, as having some evidential value that, you know, and I had no idea at the time of the hypnosis that uh, the words that came to me would, would have been Seneca's last words. Wow. I think there are many examples where you might find, you know, if, if people look carefully, you might find some paranormal connections. Let me give you another uh uh, suggestion, for example, there are people who practice what is known as mutual dreaming. They get together and, and say, let's, let's meet in a dream tonight. It'll be like a party. And uh, there's been a book written about it and people have workshops for mutual dreaming. They report dreaming about each other and then they get together and they discover that there's some correlation amongst those dreams. Do you find, do anything like that with your lucid dreaming students? I actually don't. No, I, that's something I've I've not tried yet, but I I would love to. I mean, yeah, I've, I've heard these I've heard these stories and and uh, experiences online at least, and uh, fascinating. Yeah, I really think there's a massive potential for this. So basically, uh, you're approaching lucid dreaming from the perspective of of conventional medicine and psychology, and uh, you're finding that uh, you've you've learned how to uh, guide people or train people to have regularly, uh, or at least moderately consistent lucid dreaming skills. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, so what I've done is I've, over the years, I've kind of taught various people and, uh, through conversations, you know, over email messages, um, comments, even on YouTube and Instagram and, and in various different ways, I've kind of 
put together a backlog of what works and what doesn't and what holds most people back. And it's often not their technique. You know, it's not whether they're following the steps of a given technique properly. It's often actually something much more fundamental, like their intention or whether they can remember dreams in the first place or that kind of thing. Self-awareness, perspective memory, uh, so that's dealing with reality checks and remembering to do them. It's very, it's very rarely the actual technique because the techniques are kind of simple. You know, you set your alarm for two hours before you wake up, you wake up, go back to sleep, intend to lucid dream, don't move any muscles. I mean, that's very simple to learn. But why doesn't that work for everyone? Well, it's usually one of those basic things. So, yeah, I've, over the years, I've kind of learned a lot about what holds most people back. Now, you've been practicing lucid dreaming for years yourself. Uh, do you ever get bored with it? No, I don't. And you're probably wondering why. Well, it's, it's never, you never have the same dream and you certainly never have the same lucid dream again, because it's always completely random, completely unique. Um, especially if you start using what I call dream commands, which is where you become lucid and then tell the dream to do something directly. So you shout out loud, surprise me or take me somewhere new. And although you're lucid, your subconscious mind is still creating the dream scene and the dream world. So you will be completely surprised by your subconscious mind in really, really profound ways. Um, and it's always, it's always exciting, you know, when you have a lucid dream, even if you're doing something boring, like walking down the street, you can always decide to go off on a tangent. You know, you open a door and now suddenly you're in a desert or now you're underwater. You know, it goes in completely random directions uh, and it all feels so real. So, yeah, I, I at least never get bored. I, I find sometimes in lucid dreams, uh, it's very creative. It's like uh, a novel. It, it, sometimes they go on for a long time, chapter after chapter of, of uh, a novel. Or on, on one occasion, uh, I, I actually, poetry comes to me in, in dreams. And I can wake up from a lucid dream and I know I have a poem and I can sit down and write a, a poem, a, you know, perfect rhyme and rhythm. And it may go on for 10 stanzas. Do you, do you get that sort of report from people? Yeah. Yeah. And this is the thing. Many famous people have used dreams to get inspiration, which they would claim is from a higher source. And this is, this is kind of one of the reasons I, this is my belief now, is that you can connect to this higher source and higher power because many, pe like many famous people have had these direct downloads. I'm pretty sure Tesla was one um, where he would say this information is not coming from him. It's coming from something else. And that can't just be your dreams. That can't just be your mind. That has to be, in, in my belief at least, something else giving you that information. And so, yeah, you can get insane creativity, inspiration, uh, whether it's music, poems, as you say, or profound ideas, inventions. But, I mean, not everyone will have that. But it's there. You know, it's, it's a possible thing that you could draw, draw from. It ha you have to have a, a predisposition, I would imagine. I imagine, yeah, yeah. So I'm guessing that in your particular situation, what you're getting from your lucid dreams is information about lucid dreams. I, I use it for various things. Yeah. Uh, inspiration, working on personal issues, um, but also the, the kind of fun side of things as well. Like I really, I really love flying. I've always been obsessed with the idea of human flight. And uh, in fact, some of my earliest lucid dreams were literally just that. I would just fly uh, across the treetops. And yeah, I mean, that's the beauty of it. You can use it for anything. You write about, for example, having sex in a lucid dream. 
Yeah. And that's, and that's, again, a very common, well, firstly, that's a very common dream, let alone lucid. It's a very common dream for young people and people of all ages to have. But it's also in a lucid dream, it's, everything's amplified. Everything is exaggerated. Uh, and you, you focus on what feels good about the experience, whether that's sex or eat, eating certain foods or whatever it is. It's very indulgent and exaggerated. Because your, because your brain is essentially creating the experience. So however you imagine it to be, or however you remember it to be, you will, you will experience that sort of times 10. And you point out that the figures in a lucid dream are usually pretty willing to have sex with you or some sort of pleasurable encounter because they're parts of your own mind to begin with. Exactly, exactly. And uh, it, so in a lucid dream, what you expect to happen usually will happen. So if you go in there with an intention or you expect something to happen, you'll kind of manifest that um, in one way or another. Not always, because, <laughs> I mean, like I say, the dream can always surprise you because it's your subconscious mind. So you might go in there with a really clear intention and then suddenly there's, you know, a train comes through the garden or you're flying around and you can't control things. Your subconscious mind surprises you. But yeah, usually if you have an intention or an expectation, it will happen. Do you find yourself or do people who you work with report encounters with deceased uh, friends and relatives? Yeah. And again, that's another thing that people would use it for is to connect, to reconnect, I should say, or connect with long lost friends, relatives, uh, whatever, uh, people that you knew at one point that you want to just have that one last chance to communicate with them again or just to say something or even just to feel like they're there in some way. It's that's certainly one of the most, I don't want to say the most common, but it's, it's definitely one of the most profound and beautiful uses for lucid dreaming is to do that. You know, from the perspective of a uh, psychical researcher or parapsychologist, one would at least maintain an open mind that this is you're, that you're moving outside of your own personal subconscious into a, a realm maybe the Tibetans would call the Bardo Plains, uh, a realm where you're encountering uh, other uh, denizens of the of the psyche of the collective unconscious beyond your personal. Yeah, and that's what I believe too. Uh, but I find frequently when uh, when I talk about these kind of topics, it's it's kind of I don't want to say it's a gray area, but it's an area where there's polar. It's it's kind of polarizing. You know, one half of people will be strongly agreeing with you, the other half will say, "Oh, that's not possible. I just want to hear scientifically proven stuff or things I already believe <laughs> or things I think make sense." But I certainly believe that. That's I have the same issue in my own family. <laughs> I mean, some people are hardcore materialists and, uh, they are not going to uh, be swayed by uh, evidence that, that we live in something other than a materialist universe. So, uh, it's usually the, uh, and that's the mainstream, uh, view. So, uh, you need to be, uh, I, you know, the very first question I asked you, as I recall, was whether you think every element in a lucid dream is part of your own psyche. And uh, it was a trick question, really, because we don't know the outer limits of the psyche, really. Yeah, we're learning more every day. We're learning more every day. But even, I mean, what I say when I, you know, talk about this kind of stuff on my channel is that we a few years ago, I mean, more than a few, but let's say however many years ago it was, lucid dreaming was kind of unproven. So if you said, oh, I've, I've just had a lucid dream, people would 
there would be no proof for that. Whereas if you said it now, it's much more widely accepted. So my, my perspective is that people experiencing things now, whether it's out-of-body experiences or contact with you know, people from beyond life or other dimensions or whatever experience it is, it can't, although some of it, some of it can, but it, although some of it can't be proven by science now, in a thousand years or a hundred years even, it probably will be proven. So I think we have to go not just on science. Science is a small part and uh, just a way of explaining things in a certain way. But there's some things I don't think science can explain. Well, Stefan Zugar, I'm very happy to have had this conversation with you. I think you're doing very promising work. I want to encourage uh, all of our viewers who are interested in lucid dreaming to check out your website, howtolucid.com. Uh, you have uh, quite a few books available on, on Kindle. They're uh, all very uh, readable. And I have to say, uh, uh, they seem to express a, a wisdom that uh, surprises me in such a young person. Um, although now that I think about it, I was about your age when I wrote my first book. So uh, congratulations on, on the good work that you're doing. And uh, I look forward to more interactions with you. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. And for those of you watching, thank you for being with us. Thank you.